All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got Super Bowl champion, first ballot NFL Hall of Famer, 11-time Pro Bowler, member of the NFL's all-time team and arguably one of the greatest defensive backs to ever play the game, Mr. Rod Woodson. Rod, how's everything going? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time. So, wild world we've been living in. How have you been managing? What you been doing to kind of kill time? Well, I mean, it's, you know, you know, I work for Westwood One, which I call the radio, the national radio broadcast cool. NFL games. Um, but, you know, uh, so that's, you know, that happened after, you know, the pandemic started in February. You know, um, right now, I've just been spending time with the family, um, you know, building our bond again. I haven't really got to see my kids that much. Um, you know, just moved to Las Vegas. Cool. So got to see this city a little bit differently. Um, my daughter works for one of the major casino Caesars. Oh, cool. So it's, it's been an interesting take of like, you know, just spending time with the family, building our bond back again, kind of like when they were kids and they were out of school for summer, summertime. Um, you know, just trying to build that relationship back up. That's awesome. How hot is it out there today? Cause it's like a hundred in Baltimore. It's about a hundred and five here, <laughs> but you know, Baltimore has humidity. Yeah. And, you know, here, I think we have probably 17% humidity That's today. Yeah. So it's not bad. No, you throw on a sweater, you'd be all right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a dry heat. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you a little bit about your early on career. So how did you end up at Purdue? Well, I mean, I, you know, I got offered um, quite a few scholarships. I knew I wanted to play in the Big Ten. I wanted to stay close to home. So I took four official visits in the Big Ten. Um, Purdue was one of them, obviously. I went to Arizona State. Uh, out, you know, outside of the Big Ten, um, uh, but P- Purdue was the really the only college that I went to as a recruit that said, "If you sign with Purdue, you're going to play as a freshman." Oh, cool. Michigan didn't say anything. Wisconsin, Ohio State, uh, even Arizona State—they all were like, oh, "Maybe you might, you might not. You really don't know." Um, and it really was a good choice for me. Uh, I love Purdue. Um, it's a great. Uh, engineering school. It's really a great academic school. Uh, you know, unfortunately we weren't great when I was there in my time frame. Uh, we did have that one winning year in 84. Uh, we went to the Peach Bowl. Uh, we were ranked for a little while. Um, so, you know, we have a little pride that we beat Ohio State and Michigan yeah. and Notre Dame all in the same year. Purdue's never done that before. So oh. I was on that team, but oh, cool. uh, I wanted to stay close to home. That's awesome. I have a question because you, you brought up engineering. I saw that. Is it true you studied electrical engineering early on or that was kind of what enticed no, you? I, no. So I, I, I was intrigued about getting into the engineering school, uh, which is a lot harder than I, yeah. <laughs> than I imagined. Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't make it into the engineering school, so I went into the management school. Oh, cool. Um, you know, I don't think – matter of fact, I don't think there's been uh, uh, athletic scholarship given out to an individual and they went – through the engineering school at Purdue. Interesting. It's extremely tough to do, yeah. uh, let alone being a part, you know, part, partaking in some type of sport and activity, then going into the terminals all day long at Purdue. So it's pretty tough. At what point during your college career did the NFL become like a real reality for you? Um, I would probably, probably my junior year, people started talking to me, um, you know, even when I was at Purdue, I played well. I, you know, I ran track my whole life. Yeah. I ran track at Purdue. I was a Big Ten indoor champ four years in a row. So, you know, but the – the like, 
were in, you know, a little faster each year. And then they started talking to me, you know, I have a couple of friends. They started talking to me my junior year saying, you know, people are really looking at you. They think that you can be your senior, after your senior year. Um, so it was later in my career when I first got to Purdue. My first couple of years, I don't think anybody really noticed me. Uh, but my last two years, I think I started getting a little, uh, I was on the radar of different teams. Oh, cool. And so what was, what was your draft process like? Did you, did you have a good idea you're going to be a, a first round pick or was, how did that come into play? Well, you got to, so in 87, 87 was the first year they held the combine in Apple. So I didn't know what the combine was. Uh, I did, I ran down there. I, I drove my car up to, to the combine. It was a two day process. Not like it is today where yeah. it's a six day process. Um, you know, and, and then when you, you know, when you're thinking about, uh, you know, if you're going to be a high pick or not, they say you, you know, they, everybody was telling me I was going to be a top five pick, but I slid to 10. And fortunately enough for me, I did slip to 10 yeah. because I went to a great organization in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know, Chuck Knoll was still there. Uh, Donnie Shell was still there. Yeah. Uh, Stallworth was still there. Mike Webster was still there. So I got to play with some of those, you know, iconic players for the Steelers uh, past. That's awesome. I was actually talking to Donnie Shell a couple weeks ago. I interviewed him about just kind of about his whole career and just how, how excited he finally was to get the, the call from the Hall of Fame. He said he was speechless and his wife was shocked. She said he never stops talking. So that, that, that's kind of funny. But it was, it was awesome. It was awesome chatting with him. So, um, so Pittsburgh, did, was Pittsburgh one of your top choices or did, did, were you surprised to get that call from them? Well, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a type of person that, uh, that you know, is going to pick and choose what team I want to go to as a rookie. Um, you know, I was honored just to be thought about, um, you know, I, I really leading up to the point, I never really spoken to the Steelers. Uh, so Tony Dungy was Devon's coordinator and the Devon's back coach. Um, Tony never really talked to me. They thought I was going to be off the board when I stayed on the board. Um, I thought I was going to be a New Orleans Saint, um, cause they had the number 11 pick okay. and they called me at the beginning of the draft saying, if nobody t takes you, we are taking you at 11. <laughs> and even, even the Steelers didn't even indicate to me until the 10th round or that uh, the 10th pick came up in the draft cycle. And then they finally called me and said, do you want to be a Steeler? Oh, I'm cool. like, absolutely. Hey, that's awesome. And then, so how soon after that did they, they say, we want you to come, come to Pittsburgh? Well, I was there the next day. Oh, really? So, oh, okay. so the next day, uh, my agent and I flew out over there in a small plane. I'll never fly in a small plane again. <laughs> um, but we flew in a small plane. We got out there through rivers. My idea of what Pittsburgh was going to look like was completely different. I thought it was going to be smoggy and dirty because of the steel mills. But there was only one steel mill still in existence at the time in Pittsburgh. Um, it was a gorgeous uh, city, um, uh, you know thinking that you know, I was going to be there day one when the season started, when training camp started, and I, I wasn't. I held out. Uh, I ran in the European track circuit that year. Um, I didn't sign my contract until October 28th of that year, so I only played about seven games. Um, was, was there, like, any, like, wow, there's a lot of history with this team, like, I got to kind of – I got to live up to that. Was there anything like that in your mind or just kind of getting ready for it? No, there's a culture. Um, yeah. You know, when I first got there, uh, you know, after I signed, I got there. Probably a week later, Mel Blunt walks into the locker room, and I thought I was a big corner, but Mel Blunt is way bigger than me. Uh, but, you know, just the history, first of all, the culture that the Rooney's built from the top down, uh, the culture that Chuck Noll uh, 
implemented into the locker room. And the, it was a it was a player a player led locker room. So you know Donnie Shell and, and those guys and Mean Joe Green. He was a defensive line coach wow. at the time. So uh, they so you you understood the culture had to be yeah. a certain way and you had to live up to that culture, or you wouldn't be a Steeler that long. Yeah. And it's still the same today. And you know so the, I kind of knucklehead player led um, me to go to. A place like that that uh, kind of humbled me a little bit and, and made me think about the aspect of the game. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And then was there much – since you kind of came in midway part of the season, was there much of an adjustment period for you or you relatively an easy adjustment to get on to, to playing? Well, I mean, when I first got there, uh, we had Dwayne Woodruff. He, he's played a long time in the National Football League. Luby Sanchez was a really good player. They drafted Delton Hall in the second round from Clemson that year. And in the fourth round, I believe, they drafted Thomas Everett. He was a safety. Matter of fact, he was the first Jim Thorpe Award winner in, from college because that's oh. when they started They started putting the Jim, those type of awards out back in 1987. Um, so we had a, a young base back there, but we had a couple of veteran players. Uh, when I got in finally in late October, um, those guys were already settled in. So to, to get me on the field, they put me at safety you know, here and there. Um, and that's where I got my first first interception. Cool. I was playing safety against Cincinnati Bengals, and Boomer overthrows. I think it was Eddie Brown, and uh, he, well, he tips it, and then a ball comes right to me, and I get a pick six. So, oh, cool. uh, but it was it was a process of learning the game. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't an easy transition, just for the fact that you know the best of the best plays in the pros. Uh, some fat, a lot of fast guys in the National Football League. I thought I was fast. I thought I was going to be the fastest guy all the time on the field. And I realize I'm not going to be the fastest guy on the field all the time. That's awesome. And then speaking of the pick six, I saw you had 12 in your career. Did you keep all the footballs? I did not. I kept the Ooh. first one and the last one. Oh, cool. Interesting. Interesting. I was wondering about that kind of stuff. That's interesting. And then so kind of going into your career at the Steelers, I saw that you got hurt against Detroit, but they didn't put you on IR. Why not? Well, we had a really good team. Um, and fortunately enough for me, we had a, a player named Carnell Lake who was so talented uh, uh, at the defensive back. Played outside Lampica, UCLA. Comes into the National Football League. We turned him into the strong safety for us and our dime player. Uh, it, but he, he was such a good athlete that when I did go down, um, you know, Bill Cowher came to me and I was like, Bill, I can make it back if we make the playoffs. It's four months, three and a half months, four months, I can get back. And um, luckily for me, you know, Bill listened to me. That's the first thing. You know, normally coaches just put you on IR and you're done. But coach did listen to me. And, uh, and, and no, no other players from the defense and secondary got injured that year. Oh, cool. If another guy got injured, they would have to put me on, they would have to put me on IR and bring in another guy. But nobody else got injured. Carnell Lake moved the corner. He played extremely well. And I got that opportunity to play in my first Super Bowl just because of that. What what percentage were you like health wise of, of of your best? What percentage were you playing at in that Super Bowl? Uh, probably sixty. Wow. Sixty five. There we go. All right. Cool. 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 So yes. So so if you if you if you had it your way, would you have stayed uh, with Pittsburgh your whole career? I would have. Um, it's unfortunate you know, that I, ha I I left. Um, you know they. And I mean, the, the story would, you know, they offered me a, a three-year deal. I told them to give me a, I asked them to give me a five-year deal. I was there for 10 years. 
I was like, listen, a five-year deal doesn't help me. It's not guaranteed anyway. Yeah. It helps you guys. Yeah. It, it takes my cap number down yeah. for you guys. And they were just adamant on only having a three-year deal. I was like, this, if you give me a five-year deal, I'll sign it today. But if you give me a three-year deal, then more than likely not. And then obviously they didn't give me a three-year deal. They called me on draft day uh, that year. So it, so that 98 season, that 98 draft, they called me at the beginning of the draft said, are you going to take our deal? I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm a little disappointed that you're going to give me 35 seconds to answer. And um, I, I hung up the phone, and that was the last time I talked to him at that point. I was a little hurt, bitter yeah. for a while. But, um, you know, I got over it. They did what they thought was right. I did what I thought was right. Um, you know, they're a great organization. I love the Rooney family. Uh, you know, I know everybody in the organization. That's awesome. Uh, I wish I would have yeah, and I have a question. So, so I always see that. Oh, a glitcher there. Um, all right. Purdue, the old black. You know, all my clothes, most part, have them black. Yeah, that's wild. And then I have a question. So I know NFL players get um, like business uh, propositions all the time. Was there like one crazy business opportunity that you were like, "Is this guy serious"? Like some crazy idea that somebody wanted to invest in? I'm always, I'm always, anything like that? No, I mean, I, I did a couple little, you know, when the dot coms first started, uh, you know, I went out there on the limb and tried to do a couple of those. Because oh, cool. um, we have Carnegie Mellon, which is a really good computer yeah. science school right there in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, those guys were from Carnegie Mellon. Uh, unfortunately for us, it didn't work out. But that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, I didn't do anything too crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know that old saying: when it's when it's too when it's too good to be true, it's yeah, not it true. Is. It um, is. <laughs> you know, I just believe that factor for the most part. Yeah, definitely. I have a question. So, how, what what led to you signing with San Francisco? Well, San Fran, I knew they were a good team. At that point, I was really chasing a ring that year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I had opportunity. Uh, you know, maybe to go to Atlanta. And, you know, I'm like Atlanta, San Francisco, Eddie DeBarlo. I knew he was a great owner. Yeah. Uh, they had a really good football team. Uh, you know, and I went out there that year in 97. Uh, they were really, I mean, they were, we were really good that year. Uh, unfortunately, Jerry got hurt that year. T.O., um, he wasn't the T.O. we knew, we grew to know. Yeah. At that point, he was a baby still in the National Football League. Um, our defense was played really well. We won. We were thirteen and three. I mean, so we had the number one seed. Uh, we just couldn't beat Green Bay that year, and we lost to Green Bay in the championship game at Candlestick. Um, and, you know, so that's I went out there chasing the ring, and I'm really had. I'm really glad I did because I was there with Eddie D. Uh, Eddie D is a great owner. He treats everybody like family. Awesome. Um, I, I was glad I was there for the year. And I have a question. So speaking of T.O., so you, you – well, you played, with the, played against T.O., but you matched up against a ton of great receivers. I assume I want to say Jerry Rice is the toughest receiver you ever played against. Is that, is that correct? Well, I, I, I say, I'm going to say no. Oh. This like I only played against, well, I only played against Jerry twice. Okay. So you can – that's an easy answer. Yeah. Right? Easy answer always put the, you know, the Chris Carter, the guys you played and faced. You know, I can always say that, but there's two players to me that, that I played each year, every year. 
you know, and the first guy is Webster Slaughter who, for the Cleveland Browns. He was 5'10", 5'11", extremely quick. And defensive backs understand when you have a quick receiver, they cause you a lot of headache. Yeah. They can create separation on their own. They can stop on a dime. I mean, they cause a lot of headaches. And he was a talker. So he talked a lot of trash. And the second guy was Andre Reed. Really interesting. Because I was normally bigger than most receivers that I played against, especially in the slot. And Andre was just as big as I was. Yeah. So when I played, when I, when he came into the fold with that K gun in, in Buffalo, yeah. you know, I had to change my strategy up a little bit how I was going to play a guy like that because I couldn't be physical with him because he was just as physical as I was. Yeah. So yeah. I think those two guys were the guys that I think each year that gave me issues. Interesting. I have a question. What what enticed you about Baltimore that you wanted to kind of join join this new new kind of a new squad? Well, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis is uh he was our defense he was our linebacker coach in Pittsburgh. Okay. So back in ninety two, Marvin came in with Chuck Noel, excuse me, with uh Bill um Bill Cower and that staff. So Bill Cower uh, Dom Capers, Dick LeBeau, all those guys come in. So, you know, Marvin was a rookie green coach coming from Pitt uh, with the Steelers. He was a defense coordinator in Baltimore. So he, he called me up and said, listen, we got a lot of young talent. We just don't know how to win yet. So we need some veterans to come over. And I went over and I knew about Ray and I knew Jonathan Ogden. I knew all the guys that were there from a distance. And then when I went there to visit, I'm like, this is the place I want to be. And Art Modell was an old school owner at the time. You know, just the guy who treated you know his players like family. All those old school owners treat their guys like family. And, you know, I got to play for four different ones. Um, you know, the Roonies, Eddie D. I went to, uh, you know, the Barlow. I mean, excuse me, Modell. And then uh, I went to Al Davis So uh, with the Raiders. So, but being in Baltimore – that was a really good experience. We had a lot of young talent. And in three years, you know, we got to the point where we were good enough to win a Super Bowl. That's awesome. What was, what was your first impression like when you meeting Ray Lewis as your teammate? Ray was a baby. Uh, uh, I was going into my 12th year. He used to call me Graham. Um, you know, and Ray grew. Uh, Ray became arguably one of the best middle linebackers to all league. But I also think he became one of the best leaders of men uh, in the locker room. Uh, you know, he uses things that he went through in his life to help other guys in those same situations. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a good man. That's one of my guys. I still That's talk awesome. to him today all the time. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then so um, going into the 2000 season, did you have the idea like we're good enough to compete with anybody? No, heck no. If anybody said they did, they'd let her lie because we, it was, it was a process. So the first year we were six and 10 under March of Broda. Um, you know, the culture w wasn't right there. Uh, the second year March of Broda leaves, resigns. Uh, we get Brian Billick. First year under Brian Billick, we, we go eight and eight. We can see the culture changing. We needed some more changing. We needed guys to buy into the locker room. I think the biggest thing is when you find a good culture is when guys take ownership in the locker room yeah. of what the offense is and the defense is, and they make it their own. Those are the great teams. Those are the great cultures. That's how Pittsburgh has always have been, and it's been that way you know, way back with um, Chuck Knoll, under Bill Cower, and now under Mike Tomlin. Yeah. And – I saw Baltimore going in that direction. And in that third year, 
how we would do our own self-study on Fridays as players in Pittsburgh. I implemented that same thing in Baltimore. Oh. First year, it didn't go too well. Second year, a little bit better. Third year, that everybody bought in. Oh, cool. And that's because Ray made them buy in. Because Ray was the leader. It wasn't me. Ray was the leader. Ray was, he was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, and he made all those guys buy in. And once they bought into it, you can start seeing each week in camp how good we're going to be because we all challenge ourselves to run to the ball. We all challenge ourselves to work hard. And then you can see it week in and week out. And we had a couple of those hiccups early in the year. We gave up 36 points against Jacksonville Jaguars. But we had five shutouts in a year. And that was the difference maker for us. We knew that people weren't going to run the ball against us because we had Tony Sarah Goose and Sam Adams up front. Uh, and people were going to have a tough time throwing the ball because we had fast linebackers. And we had, I think, veteran savvy safeties and two young corners and Chris McAllister and Dwayne Starks. That's awesome. But you guys didn't win, you didn't win the division, right? We did not win the division. We were, we were a wild card team. We had to go on the road all, all our games to get there. Unbelievable. That's interesting. So, what, what, when, so I saw you guys – I wrote it down. So you guys went up again – uh, oh, so you guys went up – you went through Brian Greasy, McNair, and Rich Gannon, and then you found yourself in the Super Bowl. Did you guys know, like, this is going to be a walk in the park, or were you just taking it as any other game? No, I mean, you know, honestly, I know for me personally, I didn't want to play against the Minnesota Vikings. Interesting. I mean, they were lights out that year. you got to remember they had Randy Moss. They had uh, they had Smith, the running back. They had Chris Carter. They had some players yeah. over there. They were throwing the ball down the field, taking top off the defensive. They caused a lot of defenses, a lot of headaches that year. And then when the Giants beat them, we were like, what the heck? And we started watching film on the Giants, and this is no lie. After the first quarter, watching one game, we're like, they won't get past the 50 on us. Really? And, they, and I think they got past the 50 once or twice in the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. Was, 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 um, was Cunningham on the Giants, on that other Vikings team? I, I can't remember if Randall was there or Cope. I can't remember if Cope was there yet. Oh, but they were throwing, they were slinging the ball down. Yeah. Interesting. The That's wild. That's wild. And then so, um, so, so go, going to the Super Bowl, um, at, you, you guys knew you were obviously much better, much better uh, football team than, uh, than uh, New York. At what point during the game did you know, like, did you know it's over? After the first touchdown. When they, because they, what they would do, so every time they, they would, you know, offense would motion out versus the Giants defense. So they would, they would always keep their corners bumped out. So Jason Seahorn was going to go against Brandon Stokely. And we knew Brandon Stokely, Brandon Stokely can run. Yeah. A lot of people didn't know that, but we knew this kid, this little kid, didn't look like he could run, but that kid could fly. And we're like, if he gets matched up on Seahorn, that's a touchdown. And as soon as it happened, we we're like, that's a touchdown. Once they be scored, we're like, because they're going to keep trying to run the ball against us, and they won't be able to. And we need them to put the ball in the air. And once we got that seven points, we felt very comfortable enough that our offense can score enough, and they're not going to get down. They're not going to get down the field on us too often. Interesting. And then speaking of the Ravens, what what are your thoughts on seeing like Lamar Jackson's breakout last year? Well, you know, when I look at when I look at Baltimore, I always go back to Pittsburgh because when they play each other, they're always close games. Yeah. They're always tough games because the culture is very, very similar. Yeah. And 
they take ownership. You got to play, you know, we always said you got to play like a Steeler. Yeah. Well, that's their motto. You got to play like a Raven. They have that on their sign going out on the field. And that's what makes it so, you know, that's why I love both organizations because, you know, you got two really good owners. You got the Rooney still with the Steelers. Uh, You know, you got Steve Bouchotti now with the Baltimore Ravens. And Steve Bouchotti is a a great man and he treats everybody with respect. So it trickles down to the field. Uh, And to see Lamar come out and have that breakout year uh, was was exciting. Uh, Like, I mean, he's the – He's the definition of the X button on Madden because what he was doing last year was, you know, as a fan, I, I love to watch it. Yeah. Uh, then as a coach in my head, I'm like, okay, what would I do to try to stop a guy like that? Uh, I mean, obviously you got to try to make him pass the ball. You know, I, I would crowd the line. I'd be in a cub front so they can't do all, too much movement up front. And a cub front is just a bare front, you know, a zero and two threes. Um, and to make him throw the football. You know, so hopefully, you know, if they get back to the situation this year where they get into the postseason, Lamar has a breakout postseason um, because, you know, he kind of struggled in the last two postseasons. You know, he's been – he's young, but I think he – now he knows he he belongs. He's he's one of those elite quarterbacks in the National Football League, and now he has to just take his game up to the next level once the postseason starts. Do you think defenses are going to start to figure him out, or do you think as soon as he starts adding more to his passing game, he's just going to be unstoppable? Well, I mean, if he keeps you know increasing his his passing uh, efficiency the way he did yeah. in the pre or the, in the, during the regular season last year, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, the the hard thing about it is that offense is set up for him. Yeah, you got to remember they you know they scrapped that whole Joe Flacco offense. And they, they bought all in to Lamar Jackson, what he can do and what he cannot do. And they, they're dealing with his strengths. And that's, I think that's a tremendous thing on John Harbaugh and what he did with that organization. He said, we're going to go all in what this guy can do. And we're going to highlight that. So, um, you know, I think, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I think he's going to keep getting better, throwing the football down the field. Uh, they need to keep getting him weapons or at the tight end position at the receiver position, the running back position, I think a step for a while for these guys. They got some really good players there. Um, So, you know, and as long as the defense keeps, you know, this keeps plugging in and keep playing the way they did. I mean, Wink did a tremendous job last year of putting a really good defense on the field every single week. And uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens this year uh, in that North, in the AFC North with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, if we get a season. Hopefully. Speaking of that, are you optimistic? Like right, right now, these past couple of days, is with all the stuff with all the not much safety stuff going on. But assuming they get all that done, are you optimistic about this season? Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, that would be the easy solution yeah. to quarantine for five months. It's harder to do that with fifty-three guys. Yeah, can bearable fifteen. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the players are starting to voice their opinion or their opinion on player safety. Um, you know, what's going to be the protocol if somebody does test positive? Yeah. Um, they're, they're going to have all 53 guys active on game day. That's going to be a good thing. They're going to have more players on the practice squad. That's going to be a good thing. They're not going to have limited to uh, IR players coming back on the regular roster during the regular season. That's going to be out. That's a good thing, which it should always be that way. Yeah. But, um, you know, hopefully, you know, I think everybody's hoping that we do play. I mean, I'm hoping we play because if the league or the – Games are not played. I don't work. Uh, so selfishly, I would love to see him play. 
Um, I'm hoping they figure out how to, to make it work for not only for the players, but also for the fans. Is it no fans in the stands? If it's, is it one-third fans, yeah. you know, uh, stadiums full? Or, or, or is it only going to be on TV? So uh, I, I think they still have a lot of um, questions to be answered. Yeah, and then so speaking of your time after Baltimore, it's been a couple of seasons in Oakland. And then so at what point did you kind of know you were kind of ready to retire? After that last year, um, I mean, you know, going into, you know, I hurt my knee, uh, going into the, my last year, I played the, you know, I think what, nine or seven games my last year. Then I told them to put me on IR once we got out of the playoff race. Um, you know, knowing that I didn't want to go through rehab again, knowing I didn't want to have any more surgeries on my knees, um, I just knew it was time to, to retire. Um, and, I, you know, I, the great thing for me, I played for four iconic franchises, four iconic owners. Um, they all have their own take. They all do things differently, uh, but they've all been successful. And you know, I got to see that it doesn't necessarily have to be done in one, in one direction. It can be done in different ways, and you still can win Super Bowls. Definitely, definitely. And then what was it like getting that call from Canton? That was uh, that was a little different because I was working for the NFL Network. Uh, the Super Bowl was in Tampa. Matter of fact, I was walking across a bridge to go to work, so they didn't call me. Um, they told me as I got over to uh, my work site oh, wow. that I got into the hall. So they didn't do that knock. You know how David Baker does a knock and all that stuff today. They didn't do that back then. Um, so, you know, and, uh, you know, back in, we had cell phones and all that stuff, but they weren't great cell phones. So uh, I got to, I got to figure out like, Hey, I'm in the hall of fame. Once I got to the NFL network website at the Super Bowl. That's awesome. Was, is David Baker the biggest human being you've ever seen before? He, he looks like, uh, I think he looks like Shrek. <laughs> That's how big he is. <laughs> I mean, he's not just a physically look like Shrek. Correct. But he's that big. Yeah, no, he's 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 incredible. And I'm like they said he was too big to play football. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And that's that's incredible. He's a big man. And then speaking of John Fowers, how did you get into broadcasting? Um at the the uh the executive director for the NFL network um called me. And I didn't at that time the NFL network wasn't I, I think they only did one playoff run the year before, and they were like, well, listen, the following year we're going to have a whole season, and we want you to come out here and do a test run. And I came out in, I don't know, May or April, something like that, and did a little test run, and they are like, you want the job? I'm like, awesome. right now? I'm like, sure, why not? So I did that for 10 years. I, I had awesome. a good time doing it. That's awesome. Uh, I, I have another question for you. Who's the best defensive back in the NFL today? That's a hard statement. Uh, there, you know, I think there's a lot of really good players. Um, you know, Richard Sherman, I think, uh, has proven his worth. Um, I think uh, Micah Fitzpatrick, I think he is an extremely exciting safety to watch. Uh, I think, um, gosh, I think uh, Jalen Ramsey is the most talented corner in the, in the, in the, in the league. I'm not saying he's the best corner. Yeah. I think he's the most talented corner yeah. in the league. Um, and, and I mean, you, you look at different 
guys. Uh, I, I didn't know Humphrey's going to be that good. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, I didn't think I thought he was going to be a marginal player, but the guy can really play football. Yeah. So uh, I think there's some there's some really good players. I don't think one player stands above everybody else right now. I think there's a bunch of really good players. Uh, you know, Patrick Peterson. Obviously, he's he's had a long career of playing extremely good football over there in Arizona. Um, there's there's quite a few guys that you know across the board that are that have been there for quite a long time. We got some young guys that are coming up. You know, White or the Buffalo Bill or the corner over there. You know, he's an extremely talented player himself. So they got some young players and a good good blend of players in the secondary across the board right now in the in the league. Absolutely, yeah. No, I can't. I can't wait for football season to come back. And then I just got one last question for you. Um, so when everything sort of starts, it sort of starts resuming to normal, everything's safe to do. What's the first thing you're looking forward to doing? Well, I mean, the good thing is I, I'm a kind of a homebody, so it kind of allowed me to stay at home. Yeah. That's what I like doing anyway. Um, you know, and we do like being outdoors as a family. Uh, like tomorrow, we're going to go over to the Colorado River oh, cool. and uh, swim, swim in this little cove and kind of put our tent up on the side of Sable for a couple of hours and have a little, little lunch and whatnot. And then, you know, we have Lake Mead on the other side of the valley, which, you know, we go over there and get on the boats and, and jet skis. So, you know, we like to be outdoors. We like to, you, know, you got to find a way to stay cool in the hot weather in Vegas. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then for people that don't already follow you on social media, how can they find you? Well, I'm on uh, on Twitter at Rod Woodson26. Um, yeah, that's the best place. I, I go to Twitter for the most part. I don't use it a whole bunch, but I do like going there and, and tagging things and, and, and sharing things at times. Uh, it, it, it's a good spot to find me. Absolutely. Well, this has been a blast. I wanted to thank you again so much for taking time to chat. It's been incredible. It's my pleasure. Anytime. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks again. Be well, and I look forward to talking to you soon. All right, you too. Take care.